Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we continue praying now, even as we sung in prayer to you. We come before you, the infinitely powerful, the almighty, the all-knowing, the everywhere present God. You are here. You know us. You know everything about us. You know our lives. You know our thoughts. You know our deeds. And so we come seeking your face this morning as those who are in need of you every hour of every day. And so we come in view of the cross that we know that the word of the cross for us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so may we not think or live otherwise, but live in accordance with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your spirit is within us. And so we pray for your hand to work in us now this morning. That you would sanctify us. You would transform us. You would renew us. You would change us. May we not be mere hearers of the word, but doers of the word, O Lord. We believe, O Lord, and we believe in the power of the cross. And so may you help us and give us grace as we go to your word. As those who do believe, may Christ be foremost to us. We know he is our righteousness. He is our sanctification. He is our redemption. And so we pray for all here, anyone who maybe does not know Christ this morning, that they would see these things. They would see the power of the cross, that it would not be foolishness to them, but it would be wondrous and glorious that Christ may be their righteousness and redemption and life. And so help us right now, we pray as we come. May you sanctify us by your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. We'll be in Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. And for the sake of context, I'll begin reading here with verse 6. And we'll read all the way to 10, verse 10. May God cause his word to spur us on this morning. And may he work to renew our hearts and spirits for his glory. Amen. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows... That will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, 
For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Here we return, of course, to the letter to the Galatians, but we return as well to the principle that we saw last week. Now, if you remember, the principle was sowing and reaping, or planting, and then comes the harvest. So, in other words, what you sow, you will reap. Get it? Easy enough. However, it matters to what you are sowing. And so, what to what are you sowing this morning? And there can be a sort of sowing, a planting that you can do that will end in no good. It will end in corruption regardless of what it may look like in this life. It may look like you're doing well. But you will reap corruption, judgment, separation from the living and the only God. And we certainly do not want that this morning. We do not want to be sowing and giving ourselves again and again and again to the flesh. No, our desire is just what we prayed and we sang a moment ago. Oh, gracious God, my source of strength, in you I live and breathe. Each hour is yours by wisdom planned, each deed empowered by sovereign hands. Renew my spirit. Help me stand. Be glorified today. That is my desire. May that be our desire. And we pray that and we cry out that in view of the hard part of what Paul is talking about here of sowing to the Spirit, of living a Spirit-empowered life, of living a life yielded up to the Spirit of God. When we're sowing and sowing and sowing, it becomes very challenging to our souls. And the struggle here isn't exactly talking about what Paul he spoke about in Galatians 5.17. If you remember, you even look there, In your Bibles, you can see it where he talked about how there is this battle, this kind of opposition going on between the flesh and the spirit. And the flesh is opposed to the spirit and the spirit is opposed to the flesh and they are against one another. And so that is certainly true. We do have that battle. It is real. It is continual. And we'll be fighting that until the day we go home to be with the Lord. But he's not primarily talking about that kind of opposition and that kind of battle that we're facing, although that is certainly true. There's a hard part here to sowing to the Spirit of God. And Paul, he knows this. He knows this struggle very, very personally. He's experienced this himself As we sow and as we sow and as we sow, we can become discouraged. 
Our hearts just can be weighed down so tremendously. And we can just become weary and overwhelmed. I've been there. And I would like to say I've only been there once, but it's not true. I've been there many times over the years since I've been a believer. And many of you, you know exactly what Paul is talking about here already. You've been there. And maybe this morning right now as we gather to worship and glory in our Lord and to hear the word of God, maybe you are there right now. Maybe you are weary. Maybe you are discouraged. And the burdens over you and over your life, they are great. And so you, you know this. You, you give and you do good and you show compassion to others. You love others. You help others. You teach. You preach. You reason with others. And still there is no harvest. There is no reaping. And from all appearances, as you look out over everything, all you see is a barren land. And so now you're looking out over all these things and you're saying, I am weary. And so it is in view of this that we are exhorted here. That as we are sowing to the Spirit, and in sowing to the Spirit, God is saying to us this morning, keep sowing and don't give up. Keep sowing and don't give up. And how greatly we need to hear this at just this point. I mean, we have... Certainly, and as all of you know, we have been in a pandemic for the last two years now. But there has also been a pandemic of weariness and discouragement in the hearts and minds of people everywhere. And perhaps especially within the church. And so as we see this and as we consider that, there are a host of reasons for why this happens. There's a host of reasons for why we become discouraged and weary. And one big one is time. Time. We go weary Because although we are sowing and we are sowing and we are sowing, there's no harvest yet. (laughs) It has not yet come. And we're here and we're waiting. (laughs) And so time just goes by and it keeps going by. And we're showing people love. We're walking in the fruit of the Spirit, trying (laughs) To walk in the fruit of the Spirit. And so we're doing all this. And we wait and we just simply cry out to God. How long, O Lord? How long will it be? 
I mean, this, this is not uncommon either. This is a common refrain among the saints in Scripture and throughout all of history. You know, in Psalm 13, David, he, he cries out in view of enemies and is longing for God to answer. And he says, How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? And this longing, this tendency to become weary, it is not something that is foreign to the saints. You yourself already have very likely experienced this. And so it is, how often then, what do we hear in Scripture? Again and again and again, in the midst of time, in the midst of waiting, in the midst of when, <laughs> the question of when is this going to happen? When are you going to do something? When are you going to work? When are you going to bring about renewal, revival, your glory in a great way? When? Again and again, the Spirit of God says in Scripture, what? Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Again and again and again and again in Scripture. And so he is certainly saying here and now to us this morning, wait, dear children, Wait on me. Wait on the Lord. I will fulfill all of my good word. I am faithful. Amen. And so we need to hear that as we are weary, perhaps, and discouraged. Wait on the Lord, dear saint. And then a second reason. Another reason that we, be, we can become weary and discouraged is opposition and trials. Opposition and trials. And so as we're sowing, we're seeking to be faithful to the Lord. The floodwaters come in. <laughs> we weren't expecting them. And here they are as we're sowing. And then the snow falls. The storms, they roll in. Fierce winds begin to blow. Winter just keeps going on. It's prolonged. Dangers and snares, they arise, they go away, and then they rise again. And so while we're sowing, and this is no surprise, except perhaps for us as Americans... <laughs> Why is there a fiery trial among us? Peter says, why are you surprised at that? I mean, Jesus guaranteed you would have that. Do not be surprised at the fiery trials that you are enduring, Peter tells us. But while we're sowing, here comes the critic. When they arise, here comes the fault finder. 
as we're seeking to live by the Spirit of God, and oh yeah, they're going to find faults, and they do, (laughs) and persecution comes. And as we see the hand of God at work, then comes wolves in sheep's clothing, snapping and snarling and lying and deceiving. And so we get weary and we get discouraged. I think it's for this reason that Paul, he exhorts a very likely weary Timothy. In 2 Timothy 4, 5, he says, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And how often God does that just for us, right? Again and again, He encourages us as we are weary in the midst of opposition, in the midst of trials. And He says to us, keep going. As He says to Timothy, keep going, Timothy. Don't give up. Fight the good fight of the faith believer. Keep sowing to the Spirit of God. And so he's telling us that this morning in these verses. As we face opposition and trials again and again and again. And we are facing them in ways that really throughout all of church history is unsurpassed. What do I mean by that? Well, today, more than ever... Believers are being persecuted in numbers and even dying for the Christian faith in greater numbers than they ever have. And so, we can't say that opposition doesn't exist for the believer or trials don't exist for the believer. And if they're not there, we might well ask, why are they not there? And to all believers facing this, God is saying, keep going. Trust me. I'm faithful. Another reason. And this one we may try to avoid talking about it. But we need to see it nonetheless. And it is sin. Sin. It could be you're weary and discouraged because of sin. And that can go two directions. It could be other people's sin is discouraging you. And it does discourage us. And we see someone who has been following the Lord and they aren't anymore. Or a pastor or a leader. They've been preaching, but then all along they've been sleeping around. Discouragement. I mean, even this week, I found out that a woman who wrote many powerful Christian songs, even ones we've sang here, she's no longer a Christian. And that can be discouraging. And so that's one side of this. But it's not just other people's sins that can cause us to be discouraged and weary. It can be your own. 
can be your own sin. The struggle with sin within ourselves, it can cause us to grow weary as we're as, as Paul has even warned us and exhorted us that sowing to the flesh will reap no good for you. And this is one way it can reap no good for the believer. If you're sowing to the flesh, if you're sowing to anger again and again and again, if you're sowing to unbelief again and again and again, I don't know if God really can do that in our day. Again and again and again, if you're sowing to anxiety, again and again and again, if you are sowing to love of this world, what will will begin to do in your heart and in your mind and in your life is it will begin pushing out the Word of God and lifting up the flesh. We see something of this in the parable of the sower. You know, the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 through 23. And I'm not going to read it here, but as the word comes, it's heard. Then comes persecution, the cares of the world. Riches come and they entice. And so, as Jesus says, in the midst of all that, Some fall away, and the sowing proves unfruitful. And so the exhortation for you here is, friend, no longer give yourself room for sin in your heart, in your life. It is a devil to you. It is not doing you good. It always will promise you that. I mean, it always will. It always say, if you just give in to it for this time, it it will be pleasant to you. But it's doing no good in you. And it's reaping untold damage in your heart and in your life and very likely already in the lives of many others in your life. They're feeling its effects. And so it could be Sin. And a fourth reason, and perhaps the first one you thought of, as you're thinking of reasons we become weary and discouraged, and the fourth is burnout. Burnout. You're just simply exhausted. (laughs) You're tired. You know, you give and you give and you give and you ask, where is the harvest? I mean, I am just worn out here. I mean, you serve, you give, you love, and nothing. And so it could be that, that you're just, you're just undone. Your energy is gone. And so in the midst of all of these reasons... Paul's exhortation, God's exhortation for all of us here this morning is not give up, but exactly the opposite. The world would say, well, yeah, you're getting burnt out. Yeah, to all this other stuff. Just give in, give up. Kind of like Job's wife, you know, why don't you just curse God and die, you know? That is not the exhortation God is giving you here. It's exactly the opposite. 
Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. And so this morning, this is God's word for you. He is telling us, he is telling you, as you serve, as you do good, don't give up. Don't give up. You know, in Hebrews 12, we are told in view of such a great cloud of witnesses to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles and to run with endurance the race set before us looking to Jesus. And that's what the Spirit does. That is the business of the Spirit of God. He is always directing us to Christ. Always. He does, that you wonder why the Spirit of God is in the background? Is because He wants to be there. He wants Christ to be exalted. And when He is exalted, there you are seeing the Spirit of God at work. Not the opposite. And so we are to look to Christ. Look to our Savior. Why? Because as we look to Him and as we see those great cloud of witnesses that Hebrews 12, 1-2 speaks of, as we see those examples, they serve to encourage us, to spur us on, to continue trusting and looking to Jesus Christ. And so indeed what we find in Scripture is we have a host of examples calling us not to give up. A host of examples calling us not to give up. I mean, within Galatians itself, we have been given the example of Abraham. What did he do? Well, he trusted God. He believed. And he trusted regardless of everything else. Everything else may not seem like a harvest is coming or seem like anything is going to happen here. But he trusted God. He trusted His Word. And God declared him righteous. And Paul's argument has been just that throughout this letter. You don't need anything else. It is just Jesus Christ. Looking to Christ by faith. He is enough. And He is always what we need. He is always who we need when we are weary and discouraged. Look to Christ. And what does Hebrews go on to say about Abraham? Well, Hebrews, it says of him and of others listed there in Hebrews 11, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. But having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. 
for people who speak thus, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has repaired for them a city. So what did these men and women do? They held fast to God. They held fast to his word. And they held fast to his promises. They trusted God to the end. And they never saw the final and fullness of the harvest that God had promised. Not having received the things promised. Talk about faith. <laughs> no harvest. And I trust you completely. That's our examples. Those are our examples. What kind of sowing we are to, to walk out and to live out in our Christian walk. You may not see a harvest in this life, but trust your God. He will bring about the harvest. And let me ask you, did they see the harvest come? Well, no. Not in this life, but the harvest did come. And every single person in this room is here because of that harvest. Sowing and reaping. A cloud of witnesses for weary hearts this morning. And so we think of, and we can think of Abraham, and we certainly can also think of Paul. You know, as Mike read a moment ago from 2 Corinthians 1, Paul was no stranger to trials and opposition and weariness and difficulties that tried him in ways that we will never be tried in this world. I mean, my goodness, he was tried to the very core. What did he say there in 2 Corinthians 1.9? He said that he despaired of life itself as a believer in Jesus Christ, as an apostle of Jesus Christ. You can't do that. Why are you discouraged, Paul? Just be happy all the time. That's sometimes, I think, the way that we can think of our Christianity. There's no room for that. But he was. He despaired of life itself. And then he says, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And so we come back to Galatians here, don't we? Where the hope is never, ever, ever in us. It is always in Christ. It is always in God. And that's where Paul found his answer in the midst of trials and opposition and discouragement and weariness is in his great and living God. Weakness is great. Christ is sufficient for you. 
and let those weaknesses display his power. That's what God's calling us to do. And so we have Paul. And of course, we most certainly think of our Lord, don't we? Jesus. You may not think of Jesus when you think of weariness and discouragement, but what did he do in Hebrews? He, he prayed with loud supplications and prayers to God. And then what did he do in the Mount of Olives in Luke? Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Have you ever been that? Stressed out? Like you're, you're bleeding? You're so like overwhelmed? Well, Christ was. He knows. The Lord knows your frame, believer. He knows our frame. He knows our weaknesses. He has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He knows. And He exhorts you this morning, do not grow weary of doing good. Do not grow weary of doing good. So in view of all of these, when or if you are weary, remember this verse. Remember this verse. Take it to heart. Memorize it. Think upon it. Ponder it. Day and night, as we're told in Psalm 1. Reflect upon it. Put it on your wall in the morning. Wherever that is. Maybe not on your windshield or anything like that. But somewhere you know, where you can see it regularly. Let it be before your eyes. And don't give up, believer. And so remember this verse and remember this principle. That is the principle of sowing and reaping. We have, been, we have seen that with all of these examples, we have seen what we have seen that reaping does come. But what and how does it come? It comes by the hand of God and it comes in God's time, not ours. And so we just simply say, I trust you, I believe in you, and I'm going to keep sowing to the Spirit of God, relying on you and not myself, just like Paul did. And so remember this principle. You know, the Scottish minister and theologian John Brown lived in the 17 and early 1800s, he gives a correction that stands true very much so in our day as well. He says this in view of this verse. Christians frequently act like children in reference to the harvest 
they would sow and reap the same day. <laughs> and that sounds like today, doesn't it? I mean, like, give it to me now. I mean, put it in the microwave, and I want it in a minute. <laughs> you know, I want to see it. Or I'm not going to follow Jesus anymore. But I mean, that's, that's not at all what we see in Scripture. I mean, God, He takes His time, doesn't He? <laughs> I mean, hundreds, 200, 300, 700 years go by, and here's the harvest. And so we must remember that God brings the harvest in His time and not in ours. Hence, we need to remember that spring is coming. Spring is coming. We need to take note of that word there in verse 9. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So while we sow and we sow and we sow, as we sow to the Spirit by faith and not in ourselves, but we do it in God, He will bring the fruit. Spring is coming and it will come. We can believe the Word of God this morning that you may never see it in your life. Happens many times. It's happened many times throughout all of history. But it will come. God is calling you. Be faithful. Trust me. The father of modern missions, the reason why we are seeing all these mission trips today, the IMB, the NAMB, the NAM, you know, NAM, while these exist today, ultimately can be rooted back to one man. Well, of course, Christ in the Great Commission, but in history to a believer called William Carey. He went out in India on fire for Christ. And he labored and he labored and he labored for two years. No harvest, not one convert. Are you weary and <laughs> discouraged after that? People are asking you questions. I mean, where are the results, Carrie? We're giving you money here. <laughs> you know, you're writing letters to us. You said this, this would be a good thing. We're not seeing anything here. I mean, so he could, he could give every one of these reasons that we just went through. You know, time, opposition and trials, sin. Burnout? Not a single convert over two years. And the Puritan Richard Greenham, you probably never heard of him, <laughs> lived in the 1500s. He's a pastor and he labored over his church in his area and he saw some fruit in his life, but he mostly just sowed. Mostly just sowed hardly seeing any fruit of his labors. And he was faithful. He preached the Word. He went over miles and miles and preached the Gospel to people and went and visited them and visited the sick and labored over them, prayed for them. And didn't see any harvest. For Carrie, 
after two years, he would begin to see converts. He did not give up. For Greenham, many, many years later, after he had died, the harvest came and many, many people came to faith in Jesus Christ. And so we need to see the harvest will come and we need to see the harvest by God's power. It will come with this condition. What does it say? If we do not give up. If we do not give up. We have these cloud of witnesses of people who went before us exhorting us, don't give up. God is faithful. He will do it. We know (laughs) he will do it. And so having seen all these and seen this, we are ready then for the second exhortation there in verse 10. So in sowing to the Spirit, keep doing good. Keep doing good. So press on. So having heard all this, you may be of good heart now. Strengthened under the Word of God. You've heard God say, do not give up. But then you might still wonder, well, okay, well, how long though? I mean, I do want to see something, you know. I mean, some sort of reaping. I mean, how long must I keep on sowing then, you know? Of a day, I mean, a week? You know, years? I mean, how long, oh Lord? Well, the clear answer from Paul and the answer that he gives here is this. As long as you live. As long as you live. That's how long. And this is what Paul, he means with the words there, as we have opportunity. (laughs) This, this is your opportunity. That's what he's saying. This life is your opportunity. You still have work to do. We might retire from our jobs, but we are to never retire from serving Jesus Christ. There is no retirement here. Christ is our Sabbath rest forever. We rest in Christ. And we labor here. And we will rest forever in eternity. And so we have work to do, believers. While you yet have life and breath in your lungs, do good to the glory of God and do not waste it. Because you can. Saying, I'm done. I've served my time. Well, God doesn't say that. He says, keep serving while you still have opportunity. Don't waste your life. And so Paul, he tells us who we are to do good to as well. We are to do good first to unbelievers. So he says there in verse 10, let us do good to everyone. 
not a sense of like, well, you know, I'm not going to have anything to do with unbelievers. How did God look at the Israelites? What was, what were the Israelites to do? What were they to be? A light to the nations. And they said, no, no. (laughs) We're fine right where we are. Well, that is not to be us. We are to do good to everyone. And there is certainly no absence of needs there, right? (laughs) The needs abound all around us, everywhere. There is no lack of need. I mean, throughout history, those who have led in the doing of good throughout the nations, it has been Christians. Christians, they have abounded in this from founding hospitals, the founding schools, the founding orphanages, the fighting for the needy, for fighting for the unborn, for fighting for the downtrodden, for fighting for the ignored. And so we are to still abound in doing good for His glory. Our work is not done. While the Lord gives us life, our work is not finished. May we preach. May we go out as dying men and women. Preaching to dying men and women. That's what we are to do. And so may we do it. May you do it. And so we are to do good to unbelievers. And we are to expressly do good to believers. And Paul, he says, we are exactly that. Especially to do good to those who are of the household of faith. There is a special love that we are to have for one another in the church. I mean, that is very evident. In the, the epistles of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, what does he say? Love one another, brothers, again and again and again. And Jesus, he says, they will know you by your love for one another. And so we are to be about the business, brothers and sisters, of certainly caring for one another, caring for the widow, caring for the downtrodden, caring for the single mom, caring for families even, caring for someone who came out of an Islamic faith and they now have no family at all. This is their family. Especially to the household of faith. So we're to support the weak. We're to give. We're to encourage. We're to be there for one another. We're to disciple. We're to love. We're to exhort. And yes, we're to correct. Just like Paul told us a moment ago, we're to serve one another. And so in view of such exhortations from our God, may we zealously and until our Lord would take us home, may we look for opportunities to do good. May we look for opportunities to do good. 
And so let me ask you this morning, what good do you need to do? And I mean that like, what good do you need to do? How will you aim at these things this morning? How will you aim concretely, specifically, directly at doing good for his glory? That you will not leave here saying, I heard something, but that's it. You'll be a doer of the word of God. Maybe it's something that's not being done right now. And maybe it's something that not one person in this room is thinking about, but you are. The exhortation is this. You do it. Do it. Do it for His glory. God has gifted you and called you to minister So where maybe I'm not thinking of something or all of us aren't thinking of something, you are. So by the grace of God, do it. Get to the work. You go. You help. You serve. And so friends, may we take these verses into our heart this morning and may we not give up, but keep sowing by and to the Spirit of God. There's a story told of a woman. You won't know who she is, and maybe you will, but probably not. Lizzie Bourne was her name. She was a young woman, and she died years ago on Mount Washington. And so her and two of her relatives, they decided, all right, we're going to go to the summit and go to the summit house. That's our goal. And so they set out on their journey. And if you know anything about Mount Washington, very often, unpredictably, weather can come out of nowhere, which is exactly what happened with them. And as they climbed, a violent windstorm broke out and a fierce cold that just quickly overwhelmed them as they climbed when I say fierce cold, it's known that in, on Mount Washington, it can get to like negative 30 degrees, 36 degrees Fahrenheit. And so here they are on this mountain, and all this comes at them. And as she climbs on, she was barely able to see in front of her as she's going up. She can't see what lies ahead of her, and she becomes weary from the storm, and she just gives up, and she could go no further, and she died of exposure. As the sun comes up, the wind and the clouds are gone. They look around, they look up, Just a few hundred steps in front of them, there is the summit house. They were only 100 steps from reaching their destination. 
Maybe your vision has been overwhelmed, has been clouded by weariness and discouragement this morning. But God, he is telling you it is not time for you to give up. Keep on sowing. Have you heard God's word this morning? It is for you. So press on. Do good. Keep on sowing to the spirit of the living God. Throw off self-reliance and depend on God with each step empowered by his sovereign hands. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you and you know each of our hearts this morning. You know where our hearts are and whether they're weighed down or not. We pray that each one of us, whatever burdens we may have or whatever burdens we may carry, may we take to heart the the letter to the Galatians and see that this is not a mission. This is not a life dependent on us. We're not called to live reliant on ourselves, but on God. And so help us by faith to rely on you. Help us know that Christ, you can bear our burdens and you have borne them on the cross. And for those here who maybe there's someone here who does not know that They only are carrying their own burdens. They're carrying their own shame. They're carrying their own sin. Well, today, I pray, we pray that they would see that Christ came to bear all of those on the cross. That right now, every sin and every stain and every bit of guilt and shame can be forgiven. And so we pray that they would look to you by faith not themselves, how easy it is to be saved. Just look to Christ and he will save you. And so we pray that. We pray, Father, that you would work by your spirit in those here and help us, Lord, for all us here as we're weary or troubled, as we sing, may we know that you will hold us fast. May we sow And so, and so, and not give up for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.